Hey y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is the Talking About Them Cougars podcast from GoCougs.com. I'm joined by Brad Towns, former U of H athlete, and we are part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Republic of Football podcast network and sponsored by Gus Injury Lawyers. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. Cougar athletes have to trust their coaches and teammates, whether it's going for it on fourth down, nailing that three-point shot, or trusting your teammate to hit that walk-off home run. If you've been in an accident, big or small, do not go it alone. You can trust Gus to fight for your maximum recovery. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. TrustGus.com. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. Saturday, you win a 25-24 game at Baylor in football. Monday night, you win a 51-point win over Louisiana Monroe slash Northeast Louisiana. Which one's more fun to talk about? Then we'll go to football. Far away. Hey, you know, it's it's we don't often get to talk about wins. Accurate. Although this is win number four. This is the number I thought U of H would get this year. It has not come the way I thought it would come. I thought Rice would be one. I thought Sam Houston would be one. I did not think UTSA would be one. But this week, they have a chance to go to 5-5. Five and five, And that's Dana's theme is let's get back to 500. And you, you have to like some things you saw at Baylor. But at the end of the day, it was pretty bad football. And it was the U of H defense corralled a really bad Baylor offense most of the day. They did give up a last-second score, which is, I believe, in the Magna Carta that they have to do that now. But Another, the another is, fourth and Belk special. Uh, fourth and 17. In the stadium, so I think it was told to people at home, because in the stadium it said second and 38. I think there was, what, a sack or a... Maybe a penalty on first down. Right. And they had second and 38. And I think it was an incomplete pass. And so it was third and 38. And I, I, it may have been another incomplete. Like it felt like it was a long way. And so on fourth down, it was fourth and 28. So they gained 10 yards somehow. But it was really 17. Right. Yeah. But I mean, then Shapin takes off and gets the 28. <laughs> so he got the fourth down in the stadium, but also the 17 that he needed. Yeah, that was well. I mean, you know, we've we've seen it. It, it it's routine at this point. I mean, big didn't. I mean, the same thing happened against West Virginia. Same thing happened against Texas Tech last year. And those are just the ones right off the top of the head. But luckily, we were able, we were able to survive that, which is a positive. Um, the game itself. I, I'll tell you that. I'll say this: Iowa has to have the greatest fans, most diehard fans on the face of the earth. Explain. Because we didn't see, we we only saw a little bit of what Iowa gets every week, and that was it was difficult to watch. I couldn't imagine routinely playing like that, and that's just your style because that was that was a hard watch. 
on both teams. I just it was it was just a it was nice to win a slap fight at that point, but yet still hard to watch. Slap sounds violent. I don't think what I saw was violent. Um, you won patty cakes, basically. Yeah, but if they're handing out wins and losses, I would much rather have have the take a dub win win than the uh, loss. But just because you got it right doesn't mean you doesn't mean you did it right. No, uh, the enthusiasm for this team is at an all-time low, I think. I'd never seen less U of H fans, tra- well, maybe once, maybe in 1998 at Tennessee, I saw less U of H fans than I saw at Kansas State. At Baylor, I would be hard-pressed to say it was 500, maybe 300. There was nobody there in red. And right. that was a little surprising. Now, there weren't that many people in green either. Well, they announced think- 41,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we we know how that we know how that works. Well, I mean, but that I will is say, a rice I will say special. We, had, we didn't have we didn't have a large turnout that were all together. I know that a lot of people chose the more affordable route, which I mean, you know, well, it's just better seats than what visitors well, get. Better seats and cheaper. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not. I don't blame them one bit. I about ten years ago decided that buying the fan stock. Seats where you get stuck in a corner for a bowl yeah. game or even a regular season. No, thank you. I want yeah. to watch a game. And that's more important to me than to, quote unquote, support the team with those seats. The team, of course, does not lose money in a regular season game. They just send the tickets back. Uh, they're sold on consignment. So I have no issue with that. That's cool. But uh, yeah, they're just it, it did not look great. Uh, what we've been hearing about ticket giveaways for Cincinnati yeah. says this is going to look bad. The enthusiasm is not there. It's homecoming, so you'll get a bump from that. Going to need it. Yeah. And need it. I wonder how many people come to the basketball game at 1230 and don't stick around for football. I bet there will be 6,000 people in the arena for basketball. I think it'll be a good crowd. Right. Uh, it'll be a lot of people's first chance to see this team. The crowd Monday night was good and loud, but it was not close to being full. Uh, the students turned out, which was cool to see. Hey, Hopefully they do. So. What's that? We reported 6,800, so at least that looked good. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but maybe the students will turn Saturday into a basketball, go get blackout drunk at the tailgate, because you're going to have four hours to tailgate between okay. the games. And I mean, then it's it's one go of those, into the homecoming game until your frat bro gets announced or doesn't, and then you know, <laughs> yeah, take it home. Back in the old days when we had our tailgate village and the the Robertson. Oh, you mean when for, when when tailgating was fun? Yeah, I mean this this would have been an all day party. Even it, it, we could be two and we could be with only two wins in football, and we'd still be out there tailgating and having a good old time uh well, it happened during the ofer season so two not necessary but cool yeah i just you know i hope i hope uh i hope there's a good show for them <laughs> they only got they only have two the the players only have what, two home games left yeah i mean and they happen back-to-back weeks it's coming it's coming to an end it gets done it gets here quick yeah i mean this has felt like a long baffling season it has been, but it's been quick. And speaking of quick, how fast was that first half? 
My God, what a great American adventure. That was a blessing. It was like... um, I think it took 14 minutes to play the 15 minutes of the first quarter. Like, that's how fast it was. Yeah, I mean, I literally, I think it, it took a total of 30 minutes. It was just under 30. And God bless him. Now, it slowed down in the second half. Right. But Both teams realize that there's an end zone that you probably want to try to get into. Eventually. Uh, there were a lot of replays, and that slowed it down. And ESPN.com.net plus sign decided that every single time something happened, they needed to wheel out the guy in the red hat with his three minute, 30 second clock. And I, I think mean, that was, that was intentional. They had to get in their commercials because they, they didn't, did. They because didn't the game was going the too fast. Uh, they did one of those score commercial, comeback kick commercial <laughs> and then there was an injury like on the third play and they went back to commercial and you know just sitting in the stadium i mean what are you doing and that may have been the reason why that crowd which was not great to start with uh there was nobody oh, but I, I think this the the way the cameras were facing there was nobody in the sunny side in the other side of the stadium it was better but yeah if you were on the sun side that had to have been brutal to sit through yeah, it wasn't hot, but that's annoying, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the whole day had been overcast baking. and windy, and it was kind of chilly. But once the sun popped out, it was not. Uh, shout out to Baylor because the press box, which was pretty good, pretty big, um, typically at schools, the windows are closed. And so you don't hear, you have no feel for the vibe of the game, of what's going on, really. Right. But Baylor had these automatic windows, and they just went right up. And so we got a little bit of cool air. It was nice. And then we got to hear in the bands and the fans and, and everything. And it just makes it such a much better game. Oh, I um, bet. That's really the one drawback of sitting in a press box is you don't get that feel. Uh, I didn't have to deal with Manhattan's 22-degree, 15-mile-an-hour winds, which was nice. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so Donovan Smith has been feast or fam in the last few weeks. Uh, he was really good for a stretch against UT. He basically did not make the trip to Manhattan. And then his numbers were very efficient and he did a lot of good things against Baylor, including the game winner and then the, or the touchdown and then the two point conversion. Uh, what did you think about what you saw? I thought he was, I mean, he was, he was really he was really effective and I liked the way they used him. Um, you know, two throws, you scratch your head and just say, what, what is, what, what was that? Where'd that come from? You know, yeah, every, that every first other interception, Dana would jumped on him. And even in the press conference after the game and Monday was a little bit more firm in how he talked about that than any throw this year. It's like, right. that's not in any of your reads. It's nowhere close to your reads. What were you doing? Yeah, it was, I mean, but that's, that's, but that's what you, that's what you knew you were getting. Right. Right. And you know, that's, that's what I, that's what I remember seeing at Texas tech and it's, it's still here. It's still here. Hopefully, hopefully it, um, it eventually works itself out. But outside of that, I thought he looked really good. I love the fact that we used him more in the run game because we just don't have a run game. So why not make him, why not use his abilities, um, a lot more. It's a weird thought. And usually, usually, also whenever he gets when he gets back there, and when he's when he's throwing, 
when he's throwing wildly, it's usually because he's getting pressure or he feels pressure and he gets off balance and his feet get in a bad spot. Yeah. So instead of, instead of, I mean, look, you don't have to try to sit back there and make every throw, just pull it down and take off running. You can get six or seven yards pretty easily on that. But we also had, we also had a number of designed runs that I was, I was happy to see. I think we're, I just think we're a lot more effective and he can be a lot better if you utilize that side of the game for him. I mean, at this point, I would be all for just going with a RPO offense. We talked about it way back against Sam Houston. Um, you know, that's, that seems to be our best offense because we just cannot get a sustained running game going. Yeah. Uh, obviously, their issue is they don't want to put him in too much danger territory. And you do have to balance that because, I mean, Uyale is not ready. And if he is that much further ahead than Lucas Coley, or that's what they're selling, right? Uh, then I just don't think you can you can go too far with Donovan in the run game. You mean he can't but get 20, 20 carries every game? Probably not. <laughs> probably. Uh, so I have no idea what to expect this week. I know I said that last week and the week before and the week before that in West Virginia, but I really don't. Cincinnati has completely dominated U of H since 2016. U of H went up there in 2016, I think like week three, week four. It was a Thursday night, and Tom Herman got that job done. I think they they rallied late and put it away. But since Dana's been here, Cincinnati has kicked the crap out of U of H. Uh, If you remember, Clayton Toon had taken over for King, he got injured in the North Texas game. I think they had a week off after that mm-hmm. or somewhere in there. And he tried coming back against Cincinnati when it was pretty bad. And then they sat him for the UConn game the next week. Logan Holgerson got his one career start. And then in 20, uh, I think, was it 2020? They played and got Hammer. ripped. Yeah, that was they played them and UCF back-to-back, and that was not great. Maybe scored 10 points in that game. And then in 2021, you played him in the conference championship game, and you played him tight until a third-quarter meltdown. Right. And they pulled away. And so, you know, I just don't know what to expect. Cincinnati has a horrible record, and they've looked bad, but they've played some close games. I think they've lost two of the last three by a total of five points. They had a close loss earlier. You know, they could be like this U of H team where – it's starting to look better, or the results are starting to get better. It maybe doesn't look better. Um, I mean, the fact that U of H was beat West Virginia, was competitive against UT, didn't even make the trip to Kansas State, and then goes to Baylor and pulls it out. I mean, that's better than we thought this stretch was going to be. Right. And so I, I am very willing to give them credit for it. That said, I'm not willing to talk about it anymore. Let's talk basketball after this beautiful ad. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. As you know, a great quarterback wins championships. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, you can trust Gus to quarterback your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. All right, you go ahead and lead us into this one. Finally, finally, basketball season's here. Um... 
been waiting for this. It's it's every year we just look forward to basketball. Even even though I love college football pretty much more than anything, um, I'm liking basketball more and more. Uh, one because it's a top quality program, but two we constantly reload. And mm-hmm. so every year, every first game, it's like, oh, what 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 kind of new toys do we have this year? What's who who's all gotten bigger, better, faster, and stronger in the off season? Because somebody always does. Somebody's always moving up. And then you know, in the last what four years, um, we filled a number of holes through the transfer market, and then also freshmen coming in. So yeah. a lot of anticipation of of seeing who we had coming in this year. Um, and I think, I think that uh, Damian Dunn likes playing in our home court. Possibly, yeah. Because he's done pretty well against us as an opponent, and he started off on fire last night. He really did. <clears throat> he was impressive. I, I enjoyed watching him play. He, um, he, played, he played more like an old-school type player. That he's going to hit the open shot, and he's not going to take a lot of contested shots unless he's going to get hit. He, guys looking for contact, yeah, which is awesome. I yeah. love, I love, I love that out of players. Um, I love guys who f- can find a way to get to the line because I mean they call it a free throw for a reason. Give me those free points. They do call it a free throw. Now he was only five and nine at the line, which you have to figure is going to get better. Um, I just, I don't. Anything that happens in that game, I wasn't going to go too far off the reservation. No, um, no, it's I the mean, fact it's, that it's, they held a team to thirty-one freaking points. Well, that's kind of funny. Thing. That's the thing is that you know we've played. This is not a game where you can say, "Hey, they did this well here, and it's going to translate." No, I mean, it, I mean, you got to understand who who we're playing against. But the fact that. Over time, over the decades, U of H has played a lot of really, really bad teams, but they've never held somebody to 31 points. It says something when your margin of victory would still be a blowout over the number of points that they scored. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin was pretty happy with that in the post game. Not necessarily the number of points, but the fact that his team kept coming for 40 minutes. Right. Like the defensive intensity did not... Uh, taper off. Yes. And he said it in a way. He said, you know, if ULM had scored 35 points in the second half, nobody would have been upset. And it's just normal. But mm-hmm. U of H made sure that didn't happen. And I, I just, I was so impressed by their length and athleticism is better than we've seen it. And I've seen it in practice a few times, some in the exhibition and then some here. And it just popped last night. But yeah. also, these guys played for each other. And that's easy to do early in the season. Does it keep going like that? Yes. When some adversity hits. Um, when this team starts to lose games in the Big 12, how do they respond to that? And I've had conversations with a couple of coaches about that topic. And it's something we're going to explore as the year goes on. But these guys have never really dealt with losing no and when it starts to happen and it's going to happen you're not gonna this is not the aac you're not gonna sail through Mm -hmm. how do they deal with it mentally emotionally and on the court when you think about it over the last five years how many times has u of h lost 
back-to-back games in a season. I don't think that it's happened under Kelvin. I, I, I know. I believe it's happened once or twice. But the fact that we have to think that it's only once or twice goes to show that this team is remarkably consistent. But they're not. They haven't been complete. They haven't been challenged right week in and week out where they'll have back to back to back to back really tough games. And every time that we go on the road in the Big Twelve. You're going into really, really tough places to play. You might not yeah. be great teams every time, but they're really difficult to play at their place. Yeah, your first road game is at Ames. Not an I easy place to play. Hilton Coliseum is a really difficult place to play. And then you go to TCU that weekend. Not a difficult place, but that's a, that's going to be difficult to do back-to-back. You're going to go in eight days, West Virginia at home, Iowa State, TCU. And then, and then Texas Tech. You have you have two home games, and then you go to Provo, and then yeah. come back with Kansas State, and then a two-day turnaround, you go to Austin. Mm-hmm. And later that week, you go to Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Eight days, <laughs> Kansas State at home, Texas on the road, Kansas on the road. That, that you know, how we kind of sectioned off the uh, middle of our, our football schedule. That run of three or four on the road at BYU, then K-State at home, and then at Texas and at Kansas, that is going to be rough. And then you got to follow that up with, after you come back from Kansas, then you got Oklahoma State at home. Yeah. Not easy. Starting February 17th to the end of the year. So three plus weeks, you have Texas at home, you have Iowa State at home. That's a a two-day turnaround. Mm -hmm. Then you go to Waco, then Cincinnati at home. Then you go to Norman, and then you go to Orlando, and then you come home for Kansas to end the year. So your last three are at Norman, which is going to be an emotional day with Kelvin Sampson and Kellen and Qantas and Hollis all returning. Uh, I would not be surprised if they do something special for Qantas and Hollis um, just because of what they meant to that basketball program. They might do something for Kelvin. And then you go to UCF, which is a weird trip. It always is. And then Kansas, the last game of the year on ESPN. Uh, and then the conference tournament starts three days later. I doubt U of H is playing on that Tuesday. What's up? But yeah, well, because of how the big the conference is now, it's a five-day tournament. Yeah. And I just booked flights and stuff to Kansas City, and I booked it on Wednesday, <laughs> hoping that Tuesday's not an issue. Right. So I am not the jinx, hopefully. I mean, from what from what we're used to, I mean, basically we're playing we start the NCAA tournament in quality as far as like quality goes in January. Yeah. And we play that till all the way through February. But you're not Kellen put this a really good way in a conversation last week. He said in the American, all you were judged on were your losses. Right. That the committee did not look at your wins. Mm-hmm. But in this league, you won't be judged on your losses. You'll be judged on who you beat. And, I mean, that's that's what you want. And this team has a lot of opportunities to beat really good teams. Yes. And that is going to be, for me, so much fun going all over and seeing basketball arenas from Provo to Ames to Norman um, to Austin and Waco and Lawrence. Who are you most impressed with Monday night? 
or who surprised you? Um, even though I've seen him play, Damian Dunn surprised me. I, I didn't, I didn't remember him as that type of player. Um, it was just, a, it was just a little surprising to me. That's all. He had a better shooting night from the floor than the line. That makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, I know he's, I know he's a quality player, but it's nice to see him step in and do things a little different than what I thought he was. Mm-hmm. But he, he's, he seems like he's kind of, kind of got that dog in him, which is perfect. Perfect for us. I was really, I was really happy to see, uh, Ramon Walker back in the mix doing what he does. He had seven rebounds in 16 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Four offensive. I think he just, I think he gives this team, he's not going to, he's not going to do a lot. I mean, he has the ability to, but I don't think that is his role in this, in this team. He's going to bring an edge that, Mm -hmm. You just have to have. You gotta have. You gotta have it out of somebody. You gotta have somebody like uh, Dejan Giroux. You gotta have somebody like Tajay Moore. Um, somebody who's really gonna get in there and mix things up and do the little, do the dirty work that some people might not be willing to do or not capable of doing. Who are happy I to fill, think fill that, that type of role? This on this team, I think they're all happy to do that work. But I will say that you're gonna get your a hands full on the offensive and defensive side of the ball from Jamal Shedd and Cryer and Damian Dunn. Yeah. And when you're dog-ass tired, they're going to put Malik Wilson and Ramon Walker out there. And maybe it's not as good of offense, but it's just as good a defense, maybe better. True. I mean, when you have fresh legs coming in to to clamp down on defense, I, I think that's just going to be... I mean, we talk about the depth of this team, but... It's really in guys like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Terrence Arsenault was the third or fourth guy off the bench. Fourth? Mm-hmm. Fourth guy off the bench? And he had NBA aspirations a year ago. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to be drafted this year. But I think he, <clears throat> I believe he still has, uh, st- I believe he still has that ability. But within this team, you've got to take your shots when you got to take your shots and step up in the moments that you're given. Um, and he's going to be able to do a lot of different things that he wasn't asked to do last year or he wasn't yeah. capable of doing last year. Right. Last year <clears throat> last year was just really strange in the way that everything kind of set up because you had your go-to guy, then you had another guy coming off of off of injury who is kind of a second go-to guy. You got the floor general at point and then you had the superstar forward that everybody's trying to figure out their roles. And it seemed like the ball had to kind of cycle through mm-hmm. like a, a, a flow chart basically before the ball went up. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of indecision and a lot of people kind of standing around waiting for somebody to kind of take over. The thing that I was impressed with is that they might've made a lot, they might've made a number of mistakes last night. Guys might not have been been on where they needed to be all the time, but there was no hesitation. Everybody mm-hmm. was just going, mm-hmm. and they were taking what was given to them, moving the ball around, and playing just lockdown perimeter defense. And if you got guard, if you got guards that are shutting down passing lanes and playing that strong and that tough on the perimeter, it really makes things a lot smoother down low. Yeah, I. It's going to be so much fun watching this team. 
and people are going to want to dissect every little thing mm-hmm. because fans are, are more bought into Final Four national title than I think they've ever been. Mm-hmm. But this process is going to be fun to watch. So you saw the rough edges and against Corpus Christi, it's going to look a little different. The starting lineup's going to be different. You're not going to play 10 guys in the first half, which is insane. Every guy that suited up played about three minutes or more yesterday. Right. And that just doesn't happen. Uh, I, I did think, I thought it was funny. He was talking about, he was, uh, Coach Samson was talking about that in the uh, post game. He says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play 10 guys in the first no. half. Why would I? And I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, it's like, I don't know, coach, maybe you will, because maybe you will, because you can. I think in the preseason, in the, in the non-conference, you're going to see it. You're going to see a lot of things in the non-conference. Um, that oh, yeah. was the as, point I mean, of you, this schedule. As you move on, you're going to, you're going to dial into your seven, eight guys. But you have six maybe, weeks to do that. But maybe we have the opportunity to be deeper than that. Because just like you said, you know, you run, you run your normal group out there of guys that you think are going to be the kind of the go-to guys. But then you've got a Ramon Walker coming in. You've got Malik Wilson coming in, Terrence Arsenal coming in. You've got legitimate 10 guys you can run out there yeah. that are going to give you a different look, and they're going to bring something different, but the energy never drops and the defense doesn't drop off a bit. And that's I, I think that's the key, that when you have to sub somebody out, it's not the fact that you lose firepower on the offensive end. Usually you lose something defensively, but I don't think that there's much of a drop-off defensively when you go deep onto the bench. Yeah. Which sets sets it up to be a really exciting, fun season. More so more so than last year because we kind of knew what we had last year. I don't think it was spoken very often, though. But, yeah, I think the talent on this team and the grit and the want to punch somebody in the face right. is much better on this team. Yeah. And, you know, early, early return in game one, you know, I think like you mentioned earlier, the fact that these guys defended with as much intensity as they did for 40 minutes in a blowout, that <clears throat> that gives you a little hint of the mindset of the, the, this group. Because in blowouts, first thing that goes is the defense. Yeah. Because everybody, everybody, everybody's ready to get their ESPN highlight on offense. Yeah. But these guys just stuck with it and just went balls to the wall on defense. It's nice to see. Different. It's a nice, nice appetizer. Really, I'm just, I'm just so happy that basketball's here. Just seeing how this whole thing plays out. It does make what we talked about in the first half of the show look much, much worse in comparison. Yeah. And what we're going to see after basketball on Saturday. Uh, yeah. I just. Hey, we're a basketball school, baby. I just, there's no way to deny that now. Yeah. I mean, you are what you are. And maybe you become a football school again, but you're nowhere close right now. Well, no, I mean, even <clears throat> even if they were playing well, I mean, they're not. There's no way that. I mean, you'd have to go back to previous regimes years ago to find something that has this much promise. And you know, we've got we've got a, a we've got a legend as a head coach, and we're fortunate to have it. And we got he's he's got his guys, and he has a. Um, a clear direction and a clear sense of purpose um, that he applies year after year after year. I mean, that's the, the the most amazing thing is being able to be up close and watch the consistency of Kelvin on a 
day to day, month to month, year to year progression. Yeah. Because literally every single year we lose key players. We add new, new bodies and then we rebuild and it just keeps getting better and it just keeps getting better. You're not hearing any sounds from my microphone, are you? No. Okay. My stomach is crumbling like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and I'm worried that it's going to come through and people are going to wonder who that is begging for relief in the background, but it's just my stomach. Um, I wrote about this last week. And I don't know if I cut it to say for something else, but whether it's Qantas White or Hollis Price or Kellen, Galen Robinson, Jamal Shedd, uh, Jawan Roberts, every one of them has told me the the most noticeable thing to them about Kelvin is consistency mm-hmm. in that he's that same guy every single day. And yeah. it's not somebody totally different and playing mind games. And I mean, he's just the same guy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that generations, and I'm obviously they're all the same program, but generations see it the same way shows you that that's real. Yeah. And I, I'm fascinated by that. I want to dive into that so much more. Well, I mean, he was, but he was the same guy at, at Washington state. He was the same guy at Oklahoma. He was the same guy at Indiana. He was the same guy for, at here day one, whether he had less talent or more talent, he's just the exact same person. And that's what's, that's what's amazing to me is when you look at, you look at guys at the top of the profession of all sports, doesn't matter. And even it even transcends into business is that they do the same things all the time. And even even at the highest level with a ton of success, they just keep repeating it because they don't know any different. Mm-hmm. They love the grind as much as they do everything that comes with it. Because without the grind, none of that other, that, that none of that other yeah, stuff the, exists. The, the other stuff is not their normal. The grind is a normal. And right. you celebrate the good stuff when it comes. But I just think that a guy like Kelvin and Kellen, uh, th- that's just, they live for it. And Kellen is a recruiting machine. And I think there's a time when good recruiters kind of step back and stop being that. But Kellen's nowhere close. Right. And so you have to figure that the way they're recruiting is is not going away. Kelvin said it last night that, you know, we we pretty much know how to how to find a guard. You know, we know what to do with a guard in this program. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. That's a pretty good point because they do. Absolutely. They go find those guys because they're just doing the work. Uh, Emmanuel Sharp is the example he was using that Emmanuel had offers from Arizona and Louisville and somebody else. And he chose U of H. I mean, he he grew up in in Tampa and chose U of H. Mm -hmm. And that's a weird winding road. But to his credit, Emmanuel saw it and Kellen saw it that, you know, this is the right place and he's going to get better. And he has. And if he can figure out the rebounding, I think he's going to be a <laughs> monster. What I would give to see the, uh, today, when they watch just today, when they watch, when they watch film and then they go onto the court after auction that. off today, today would have been the perfect day to auction off <laughs> sitting in the back of the room. Yeah. Uh, because I think, think it might be pointed out once or twice. It might be a talking point. 
Yeah. It, it might be a talking point. So I guess that's it. That was good. That was fine. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Network, the Republic of Football. Find us on YouTube at GoCougs1 and like and subscribe there. Just a thought. The more the merrier. Punch that subscribe button. <laughs> Something like think? that. Yeah. Bam. <clears throat> Have a great day. We got a lot coming up. I mean, there's so many. There's just so much. I'm basically moving to U of H. You know, get me a dorm room. Make Might it easier. Well. Yeah. Uh, going back today, tomorrow, Thursday. I might get Friday off. Got a got another basketball game I have to go to. And then two games Saturday. And then back Monday for Dana. And then basketball that night. Even better. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Renu, take us away. Yahoo! I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS.